Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Deep with Phil Naz, brought to you by Wallstat Media. I'm Phil, and sat beside me like usual is Az. Hello. In this episode, we're going to start talking about a couple of stories that we're bringing to the table. So, Harvey, you've got one for me, I've got one for you, and we both don't know what the other one is going to say. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, So, I'm happy to go straight into it if you are. Okay, so I shall start. I've read this week, Elon Musk... Yes. Is now sat on the board of Twitter. Right. And he is trying to revolutionise social media, connect with people that actually want to be on those platforms, yeah. by introducing subscriptions mm. for all users. Do you think that will end social media as we know it, or is it a safeguard for people who troll? Right, okay. So by subscription, do you mean you have to pay to be on these platforms, but well, on Twitter? I believe so, yes. Is there any indication of price? Not as we speak. I'm guessing it'll be something very small, like maybe like nine p a month or something. Well, my concern with that with that would be you're right. It probably would start off quite quite cheap, but then over time, as the cost of living increases, everything goes up in price, right? And they would probably have no problems just putting it up, say. One pound or one dollar a month extra, you know what I mean? Then you're paying two dollars and then, you know, it's getting more and more, it's doubling, it's multiplying all the time. There must be probably a couple of billion people on Twitter. Do you think that's an over-exaggeration or do you think that's there or thereabouts? No, I think that's there or thereabouts. I think it's perhaps a thing that would stop the trolls. So one thing I've heard before is that people would have to have some form of ID to prove who they are so they can have an account. Obviously, in this day and age, anybody can just create a profile with like a, almost, almost like a burner email address and, and have an account and troll, you know, whether that be celebrities or people you know, and just spread hate, really. And that could be one of the, the ways to lower it because, obviously, if, if, they've, if Twitter... For example, as the company, have your information, your actual real name, not just a fake Twitter handle, then it probably would cut down a lot of the sort of like negative things we get on social media. The problem with that is, I think they make a lot of money advertising through people who probably do already troll and spam. So if, if those people have to now pay, a lot of money would be lost, I reckon. Yeah, it's probably fair, I think, you know. Um, I think probably one of the best things about social media is is the fact that it's free. Back in the day when, you know, Facebook was blowing up, if they if they had some sort of like pay pay you go service almost, you know, you, you pay a you pay a little fee just to be able to create an account. Do you think that would have put people off? It definitely would have, because obviously didn't Facebook start in universities and stuff? Obviously people with not a lot of money. So Yeah, yeah. I don't think they would pay to socialise. It would be obviously go and meet people and speak for free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. So Facebook was obviously created as a sort of university group chat almost, you know, so like everyone at the same university could speak to someone else and that they were in the same class with or someone else in their lodge perhaps, I'm not sure, but you know what I mean, uh, that kind of um, thing. And then obviously, yeah, blew up into you know worldwide phenomenon that it is today. See, the problem we've got is if it, 
if Twitter starts doing it and it becomes successful, you're going to get other platforms doing it, i.e. Facebook. Even YouTube will probably be a paid service. So, yeah, everyone wants to make money on these platforms by, I don't know, selling merchandise or doing their YouTube videos enough. But if we then have to fork out money to then make money, it's not going to work. No, I agree there, Harvey. It's not, it's not really a good, good model, I don't think. Not one that they want to be getting into anyway. So is Elon Musk like a majority shareholder now or something, or is he just is he just there for uh, well influence and because of his opinion and, and and the weight of his opinion really? I believe what I heard is that he now has a seat on the board. So I don't know what how 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 much he actually owns of it, but yeah. it must be a substantial amount for him to put his two pence in or two billion. Yeah, and the rest. Um, no, you're right. I wonder if it's just maybe an advisory role where he can have his say and his opinion, and then maybe Twitter would obviously change their sort of like policies based on his thoughts and opinions. You know, it's a bit mad, but I hope it's not true. Oh, I hope it's not true either. But let me ask you this: if if you had to pay forty nine p nine p, let's say one forty nine a month, would you pay for Twitter? No, I must admit, even though that is a relatively low fee, it would really put me off. Because, I don't know, there's something about the greed of that. Like you say, these companies are worth billions anyway. That's before we've even put a penny in it ourselves for a subscription. So, I don't think it would be fair on the people who already have accounts. And like, like I said, the, uh, the people who do have accounts is probably in the millions. I really don't think that's fair if that's what they decide to do. I think if they do want to monetize the Twitter platform, they could maybe do a separate personal and business account type setup. So you got to pay for like a business Twitter. Yeah. So you would pay maybe like a like a small fee or a percentage of every sale that you do on Twitter, which yeah. obviously then wouldn't de- wouldn't deter the people actually selling the stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Clearly, still make money, but you get all the benefits of the business package. The problem is, how much is too much? So, Elon Musk is obviously already the richest man in the world, right? Made his money through PayPal and Tesla and whatever he's into these days, whatever he touches seems to turn to gold, really. And that's probably why Twitter want his opinion more than anyone else's. But yeah, how much is too much? I mean, like I said, they're probably making billions of pounds or dollars or whatever your currency is already. So, are they just being greedy? We know greed comes into in, into most things, but I think having people pay for their opinion on things will probably go down very well at all. So, I think greed has a lot, lot to say about this story, Harvey. I think... It's it's sort of featured in a few a few in our podcasts I've started to notice, where it can be really eye opening how greedy some people can be. Um, like I said, Elon Musk, richest man in the world. Twitter, one of the biggest social medias in the world. Uh, not even sure of their um, you know their overall wealth and net worth because I wouldn't even like to make a guess, but I imagine it is huge. I think it's a little bit of an insult, to be honest, having to charge people to use their, their service. And I think if there was to be, don't get me wrong, I understand it's probably copyrighted and patented and things like that. But then, 
another t something else that comes along that is free that people swarm to because it's free and Twitter lose a lot of their audience if that was the case. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously when it comes to business side of things, they probably already got their audience and things and if they're making money off that, they won't look elsewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, I didn't like I didn't know that story. I hadn't heard that anywhere. First time I heard that was just now when you when you told it to me. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me because I know that's the world we live in. Everything's money orientated. But it is disappointing, isn't it? It's disappointing for obviously like people like me, me and you and average Joes who use Twitter for our our news and things we we share with our friends or family. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? What's really sort of like bad on that situation as well is well, ultimately you can follow who you want. You know, that's the that's the sort of like benefit of Twitter really. You can follow people who you are friends with. You can follow people who you admire, like celebrities or or things like that. But imagine having to pay to see, I don't know, your, your heroes. Twitter Twitter feed. Do you know what I mean? Like, say say you're a huge football fan. You love Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. And you want to see his latest tweets. Well, well, his media's media team's latest yeah. tweets. You'd have to pay for that, and that feels wrong to me. Just that that's that's that by very by the very definition of social isn't social because social can be free. If you look at the other side of it, let's say Ronaldo. Is on Twitter, he probably is. Um, would he then get a fee for himself from driving people onto Twitter in the first place? So, would it be a case of everybody on Twitter with loads of followers would also benefit? Yeah, I see what you mean. So, because everyone is trying to subscribe to Twitter to see his feed specifically, does that warrant him a return of the profits? Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously then gets the backing. Yeah, but again, that that sort of that whole debate is probably going to be a cause for concern as well, isn't it? Because you're right. How how do you first of all how do you quantify that with monetary value? Like if he's got fifty million followers on Twitter, for example, how much is that even worth? You know what I mean? And then what percentage of everyone who pays for his Tweets is gonna gonna feel like they're getting value for money. It could be scary money, but people like like they say all the celebrities is basically advertising for Twitter, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. So I've just got a um, article up on the CNN website that says that Elon Musk has made an offer to buy Twitter and to take it private saying he believes the company needs to be transformed. Does it need to be transformed, or is it fine the way it is? It's fine the way it is, but that's from us talking about it. It's not... Yeah, as users. We're not, we're, not, yeah, yeah. we're not business users, if you know what I mean. Very true. According to an SEC filing, Musk, had, Musk has offered to acquire all the shares in Twitter he does not own for $54.20 per share. Valuing the company at forty-one point four billion, that represents a thirty-eight percent premium over the closing price on April first. I mean, that is a ridiculous amount of money. It would be worth 
41 billion pounds having subscribers that have to pay to use to use the service does that increase the value or lower it obviously increases it because his capital so his capital will increase therefore the more, more money you make the more the the share price goes up but that's that's again hardly going to my point now don't get me wrong i understand elon musk has got endless amounts of money he's got more money than he could even imagine even in his sort of like wacky scientist days, probably when he was younger at university, you can imagine, this is beyond his wildest dreams, let's be honest. And, I don't know, it's going back to that greed thing. How much is too much? Because it feels like he's got too much. But if we were to... Obviously, if we were to be given 40 billion, but, but yeah, we would sit here and do podcasts and tell the world how amazing we are, and you know what I mean? I guess there's also people working with him. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's not a case of only he's got 40, 40 billion. It's other people's greed as well. So they use his fame and his knowledge to build their greed as well. Yeah, very true. So continuing with this article for a sec, Harvey, um, Musk said the cash, cash offer was his best and final offer, uh, which is according to the SEC filing. He added that if it is not accepted, he would have to reconsider his position as a shareholder of the company. Now, again, that's a bit of a power play, isn't it? Because obviously, if his offer isn't accepted and he wants to withdraw himself from the company as a result, does that mean, you know, share prices go down? Does it have a detrimental effect on the company? Uh, if if you have such a dramatic drop, the share price, will, like your assets, will all freeze. Okay. So people can't take money out and can't put money in. Mm. So therefore, they would come off the stock market yeah. until it's resolved. So ultimately, it would would end up costing the company. Yeah. So that is a very big power play from Elon Musk, don't you think? Almost like an ultimatum. Look, if you don't accept my offer, I'm going to be off and you're going to be screwed. Yeah. And if he takes his holding over 25% and he's... Telling it a majority shareholder. Interesting. Which means he has he has a vote on the board for yeah. all all scenarios to go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is a quotation from the same article that says, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However, since making my investment, I now realise the company will never thrive, nor serve the social imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. Now let's just take, take that back a minute. He, in his earlier quote, he's, he, he said he likes the fact that of free speech, but yeah, he's now getting people to pay for it. Yeah. Therefore, yeah, you could have your own Saturday, but you've got to pay for it. That is the literal definition of not free speech, isn't it? Um, no, I imagine this news can't be coming down very well in the Twitter world, to be honest. Uh, is it a case of any news is good news? You know what I mean? It mm, might, in, effectively, as we speak, Twitter is still Twitter, exactly the same. Nothing's yeah. happened yet. No, of course. But it gets people talking. It does. Um, you gonna give me a conspiracy theory that this is all a plot just to get people on Twitter to moan at Elon Musk? <laughs> Possibly, it it could drive everyone to Twitter. Yeah, start posting so much 
and it pushes up their share price that way. Well, look, stranger things have happened. Which they? obviously increases his his money before he takes it out. Well, there you go. See, so it's a little bit of a crazy one. That everything that's happening. Um, you're right. In, in a way, he contradicts himself, Musk, with his earlier comment saying he believes in free speech. Then literally the next sentence. However, since making my investment, which is his money, I now realise the company will never thrive. So, is that fair? Doesn't seem like it. It's not fair, but obviously, as a shareholder that he is, he has every right to to his opinion. Obviously, he has a power for his own free speech. Yeah, but he's now charging everyone else. That's a bit of a mad one, that Harvey. Uh, just going back to the to the article again. Uh, Twitter issued a statement on Thursday, which is today, the day we are recording this podcast, confirming that. It, it had received the offer from Musk. Uh, the company says its board will carefully review the proposal to determine the course of action that it believes in is the best interest of the company and all Twitter stockholders. Uh, Twitter de- declined to comment as to when its board would meet to discuss the offer. Now, again, <laughs> being a little bit cynical, uh, they don't mention anything there about the users requests and needs or wants they they just said uh the determine the course of action it believes in the best interest of the company yeah understand and its stockholders now ultimately yeah they're the people who's going to be making money off of it so obviously their opinion counts for more than arts for example but again it shows you how low down the food chain we are almost our opinion doesn't matter as long as it's making them money now, let's just assume one billion people use use Twitter. Yeah. If we're all charged ninety nine P, which let's be honest, is probably like a couple of hearts of candy crush that people usually get on a monthly basis anyway. Ninety nine P doesn't sound a lot, so people so people will probably do it, right? That's one billion pound a month that they're gonna make or something they weren't making a billion pound on before. Yeah. So I get it. I do get it, but if Twitter start it's only time before Facebook, Instagram starts charging, TikTok starts charging. Yeah. And then and then what? Well, you say that, although although what if a company decided to be the opposite, almost like the anti-Twitter in that case, and that ultimately ended up going down well with a fan base that were looking for a new platform because they didn't want to have to pay. So they have an influx of new people on their application or website, whatever it may be, as a result, for keeping it free. Do you see what I mean? So Yeah. <sighs> it's a difficult one, are we? According to the article again, Musk is putting the Twitter board's backs against the wall, which is what we said, almost like a power play, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the premium is at a level that will be hard to see other bids occurring. I mean, that's probably true. Well, look, well, when, well no one can beat the money, can they? He's the richest man in the world. There so. you go. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Musk making this about free speech is the exact opposite of what every other corporate raider would do about monetizing the company's value. And that's from a guy called Ives, Dan Ives, tech analyst with Wedbrush Securities. See, I think the way, if if you want to start charging people for Twitter, I, I think there should be a way for everybody to be able to make a bit of money from Twitter as well. So if, if everyone puts in, say, 99 pence, right, 
and the more quality content, i.e. answers on questions and the amount of things you post that are obviously relevant to stuff that's popular, people should get a cut of. Uh, yeah, arguably, although you've got that argument where uh, people would be expecting their monetary value to be more expensive than others, and that creates a conflict, and that creates a you know a little bit of an awkward situation. Yeah, true. Let me just ask you this quickly, Arby, and I know you haven't looked because I'm sat right next to you, but do you know, or would you like to guess, how many Twitter followers Elon Musk has? Uh... Three million. That is not even close. Ten? Not even close. Fifty? Not even close. Hundred? No, it is less than a hundred, thankfully. 81.6 million Twitter followers. Far more than any other CEO. And he is a much more prolific tweeter than the handful of celebrities who have even more followers than he does. Mad. This is a power play and then sub from the world's richest man, isn't it? But again, it's... This can't be down to money. It's got to be for something else because he doesn't need the money, let's be honest. So it's got to be for something else. Probably his empire, which obviously does include money, but... Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, he's, he's almost... Yeah, he's, he's, uh, his empire for sure, but also his name. Do you know what I mean? Like, his, he wants to be at the absolute tip-top forever almost. Do you see what I mean? Uh, it's a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a tricky one to even imagine of him when we're sort of like, you know, not even close, not even 0.1% of his wealth that we can't even imagine. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a bit difficult. What has been interesting as well, though, Arby, is from this, this same article, and I'm, I'm not going to read it too much, it just says uh, in a headline that Musk is a frequent critic of Twitter. Now, he's one of the largest shareholders... He's got 80, 84, 84 million followers. Why is he bashing the company so much? But again, it comes down to any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. So if he has a go on Twitter, it gets people looking. Because people on his thing, find out what, what else he wants to slag Twitter off for. Yeah. But at the end of the day, people are going on to Twitter which well in his pocket in the first place. Yeah, true. Um, well, like, like I said, Arby, I didn't know anything about this until you brought it up. I'm glad you did because it raised raised an important question. Well, about free speech, which which not even ironically, which is the truth. If if you have to pay for it, it's not free, is it? It's not free speech. I guess it's free in the context of you can say whatever you like. But you have to pay for it. Isn't like I'm I'm talking mad here that I'm you know I'm gonna have to fact check this. Isn't it? Isn't free speech in the Constitution or something? Is it everybody's right to free speech? There we go. You know what I mean. But, but again, that's free speech. Doesn't you can say whatever you like. Yeah. But you have to pay to. <laughs> yeah, you have to pay it. for the opportunity. We're not going to give you a platform, literally a platform anymore, to talk for free almost. It's, as a mad one. Uh, it's, it's a bit like going to a buffet. All you can eat. You pay for it. You can have whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, if you were to just sum this up in a sentence, Arvey, just to end this this section, is there anything you would say? I would say they really need to, need to consider the the average user of Twitter before they make a final decision on this because they will lose a lot of people. Yeah, agreed. Um, there'd be a lot of hate towards it, and I hope if this was the case, it doesn't start a dominant effect between Instagram, TikTok, and the other social medias.
Agreed. Uh, yeah, I want to reiterate all that as well and just hope that the change doesn't happen, to be honest with you. I think it's a bad move. Obviously, from a sort of like sad point of view, I can see why the billionaires want to make more money. Yeah, okay, I get it. But, you know, well, at our expense, no, no thank you. I pr prefer free speech and the opportunity to use social media as a free service. So I hope it doesn't happen. Right, so Harvey, it's my turn to talk. Go for it. Surprise. Um, so I want to talk about something called the 27 Club. Have you heard what the, do you know what that is? I don't know. Do you want to have a mad guess? 27 Club? Yeah. I'm guessing it's currently 27 members of that that done something, maybe? Or? Okay, no, not quite. So it is a group of musicians and artists that have all coincidentally died at the same age, 27. Okay. Now, the thing that I've always known about this, really, because I've, I've been a big sort of like fan of music for many years, as yourself, obviously, but, you know, for me, it's probably a little bit more going back to the older stuff, you know what I mean? I, I like all that. Don't get me wrong, I know you like some of the older stuff too, but I'm a geek in terms of that, you know what I mean? Going back to listen to the oldies. So it was, the 27 Club was something I already knew about. But I watched a film the other day called The Doors. Um, basically a biopic about Jim Morrison, the lead singer of The Doors, and it's played by Val Kilmer. Now, I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't, no. no. Great film. I didn't know too much about The Doors prior to it, really. Although I knew a few of their songs. You probably know a few. If I heard them, I probably would. Don't Light I? My Fire. Oh, yeah, Everyone's okay, heard yeah, of that yeah. one. Riders on the Storm. Yeah, I heard that one. Break On Through to the Other Side. <laughs> nah, too far. Right, but either way, Jim Morrison, like I said in this film, he was one of the members of the 27 Club. He died at 27. There is a long list, albeit some more famous than others, that um, musicians that have died at the same age. It's a little bit spooky in a sense. So I just want to go over a few now and see what you think. So one of the first ones that's probably the biggest influential if that makes sense was a guy called brian jones now he was one of the leading founders the founding members of the rolling stones okay and he died in his country home in england in 1969 and it seemed to be a result of foolish behavior due to a mix of alcohol and drugs he dived into a swimming pool to swim directly into the arms of his death as clear as it seems, the death of Brian Jones has become one of the most persistent mysteries of rock and, rock and roll, with many people questioning the official version of what happened. Even the members of the Rolling Stones have expressed doubts, and still the mystery of his death hasn't been solved. Keith Richards, also of the Rolling Stones, obviously, said, I don't know what happened, but there was some nasty business going on. Basically, he was found dead in a pool after a mix of alcohol and drugs. So maybe it wasn't that surprising. It's obviously not a good combination, is it? You know, uh, there's probably a rotten theme here as well. Obviously, drugs and alcohol in the system, you know, life of a rock star. And yeah, just the swimming pool never sort of seems like a good idea <laughs> in them moments, do you know what I mean? Well, maybe they do. <laughs> so, any thoughts so far, Harvey? Yeah, it's quite fascinating that they were 
age of 27 is so prominent. Yeah. So, how many are we talking? Are we talking a, a good dozen? More than a dozen, although more some are more famous than the others. I'm concentrating mostly on the famous ones because, obviously, they're the more well-known yeah. ones. You know what I mean? So, next, Jimi Hendrix. Oh. Uh, so, in the early hours of Friday, September the 18th, 1970, year after Brian Jones, while staying with a girlfriend in London, Jimmy took some sleeping pills. Nobody knows for sure how many pills he swallowed or whether he understood what he was taking. The drug was Vesperax, a strong barbiturate. Half a tablet was enough to put a man to sleep for eight hours. Jimmy may have swallowed as many as nine. He had also been drinking, so again, another sort of situation of alcohol and drugs. Uh, this was foolish and reckless, but it was in his character. During the years on the road, Jimmy had gotten into the habit of using drugs indiscriminately. Jimmy would take a handful of shit, not even knowing what it was, his friend Daring Howard said. So obviously a big name, you know, Jimi yeah. Hendrix, probably one of the most famous guitarists in the world. He's a member of the 27 Club. Now, again, a running theme here, like I said, alcohol. Any thoughts? Yeah, it, it seems to be the, the, the themes of most, most deaths of rock and roll these days, the, the drugs and the alcohol. But in fact, now that you mention it, I'm sure I heard something about like, Amy Winehouse, maybe, something like that. Oh, we'll come on to that one soon, I'll be, but yes. Okay, okay. Have you heard of an artist uh, called Janis Joplin? I've, I've heard of her, but I wouldn't... No, same. I must admit, I, I know her by name. I don't know necessarily any of her songs, but I'm a, I think she's a big name. You know, she's one of the big names on this list anyway. It is certainly easy to imagine Janis feeling lonely as she returned to her hotel room in Hollywood after her last recording session. As she sang in A Woman Left Lonely, one of the last songs she sang, she knew that her boyfriend was taking her for granted. At around 1am on October the 4th, 1970, she got her heroin kit out and injected a vein in her left arm. Then she went to the cigarette machine in the hotel lobby. Returning to her room with a pack, she closed the door, started to undress and reached to put her packet on the nightstand. As she did so, she kneeled over hitting her face on the table, and she fell to the floor, where she was found dead the next day. Again, Harvey, 27 years old. Again, drug-induced. But with that story, it was so specific as, as someone was with her. So is that just a made-up story? Is that not the full, the full thing, or is that just what people assumed it to be? Yeah, you know what? Maybe that's one we need to research a little bit more because I'm taking this is an article from Rolling Stone. That's probably one of the biggest uh, music publications out there. So I'm taking it as fact. I'm taking it almost as if they've done the work for me, which I appreciate. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I would say that that story is pretty accurate, and that's why they were putting their their um, name to it. It's just the way you read it. It's almost like someone was telling you the story of what happened. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Sadly, Yanis wasn't alive to tell the tale herself. So Jim Morrison next, like I said, the, the guy who made me come up with the idea of the 27 Club, to talk about it on the podcast at least. 
So the cult of Jim, Mo Jim Morrison grew uh, post-death, uh, taking off in 79 when Francis Ford Coppola used The End in the soundtrack for Apocalypse Now. Part of the cult of Jim was the coincidence of him dying at the same age as Brian, Jimmy and Janice. The 27 link helped reinforce the idea that Jim had been special, that his death was fated, that there was something weird going on. The fact that Jim's girlfriend had died at the same age underlined the weirdness of the coincidence. This legend was familiar to everybody with an interest in popular music. They are four of the biggest names here. There are more that I'm going to read out, Harley. The way this article is suggesting it, and this is the thing I want to put to you, I'm not necessarily a big believer of all this, but is there something else at play here? Could it be a case of one of two things? It could be from the age of 27, it wasn't going to get any better than it was at the time. Okay, right. Therefore, yeah. the only way is down. Or is it a case of somebody, something, some kind of deep down kind of conspiracy yeah stopped them before they kind of like took over the music scene yeah okay yeah that makes sense I, I see what you mean like selling the soul to the devil type of thing that you hear about these days <laughs> yeah and that's interesting it's uh it's interesting to know what you think as well so so please get in touch and let us know so i'll be another one in the 27 club one of the biggest well in my opinion maybe not in everyone else's because Jimi hendrix is on this list kurt cobain his body was uh, found by an electrician on uh, Friday, the April 8th in 94. Shocking. <laughs> the answer to this question posed by the authors of Who Killed Kurt Cobain is simple. Kurt Cobain killed himself. He did so with sudden self-inflicting violence, leaving written evidence of his state of mind. Kurt's substance abuse counsellor, remembered how worried the musician had been about losing his home in a, in a lawsuit. Suicidal people tend to want to make a settlement, Neil Stimson said, and I just kind of felt he killed himself in his house, as if to say, you're not going to take my house, no matter what. Now, there's a lot of controversy about, you know, Kurt Cobain's death. Uh, did he kill himself? Was was there foul play involved? Now, that's a totally different story. And one that's always fascinated me, because sometimes the evidence points to it being anything other than a suicide, basically. Uh, there's doc been documentaries made, films made of it. It's very interesting. Again, drugs at play. Again, 27 years of age when he dies. And again, wasn't there a story of rumour going around it was his girlfriend at the time? Yeah, Courtney Love. Yeah, so again, there's it, it. It could be suicide. It could be the partner. You know what I mean, yeah, I think the partner route is probably the easy way out type thing. Yeah, we're not going Easy, easier to blame. Then. Yeah, for sure. We're not going into too much detail, are we? Because I could talk about this for hours, but I won't bore you with it. The two sort of like key facts from Kurt Cobain's death is one that Kurt wanted a divorce from Courtney, Courtney Love, as his wife. They had a child together, Francis. And if Kurt had gone through with the divorce, Courtney wouldn't have got en gotten anything in the 
Settlement. Settlement, yeah. But because Kurt died, she inherited his estate. Now look, make that make of that what you will. You know what I mean? That that doesn't prove guilt, obviously, but it's interesting. A second interesting point is that Kurt Cobain was undoubtedly a heroin user. And post-mortem, obviously the investigation they did on his on his corpse, sadly, indicated that he had so much heroin in his system, he wouldn't have even been able to pull the trigger that killed him. So this is, again, contradicted with people saying, well, no, he was a constant user of heroin, so his tolerance was higher. But it makes for good conspiracies anyway. And like, like we said before, I've always been into conspiracies, especially when one of the, one of the um, conspiracies is about Kurt Cobain, who, you know, I love Nevada, I make no bones about that. So it's probably why it interests me so much anyway. Problem is, obviously, uh, as a non-heroin user, yeah. <laughs> I I can't vouch for this, but surely it's not like you're used to alcohol, so you can now have six pints out of five. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's heroin. So. Yeah, true. Although, no, I do understand the tolerance build-up thing. Uh, I think, in some strange way, your body gets used to your dosage, so to get that rush back, that initial rush... you. I think it, I think it's the same thing. I think I've heard of something called chasing the dragon. I'm not sure if that's the same thing, but you're always chasing chasing that rush, and you're always increasing your dosage because you want that. You want to feel as good as the first hit. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit of a, a strange one. But like I said, I could talk about this one, Kurt Cobain's death, for hours. But let's move on. I don't expect you to know this one, Harvey, and I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't have mentioned her if it wasn't relevant. Her name is Kristen Pfaff. She was one of the mourners at Kurt's Seattle Memorial, uh, Kurt Cobain, we were just talking about. A member of Courtney Love's band, Hole, and a former girlfriend of fellow member Eric Erlinson. Two months after Kurt's death in 1994, so the same year, Faf died of a heroin overdose in the bath of her Seattle apartment, just like Jim Morrison. He was also found in his bathtub. She was also 27, uh, the third member of a Seattle music community to die at that age within a year. Now, again, it wouldn't be really fair for me to talk about anything other than, you know, it's sad that these musicians have died young. However, it was someone else that Courtney knew. And again, leading into the conspiracies, I think she had her own opinions on the death of Kurt Cobain. She wasn't necessarily so convinced it was a suicide. And if that was the case, hypothetically, conspiracy, allegedly, could she have been put out of the way too? Because, you know, they could have they could have unearthed something there. The thing is, it's just that it can't be a coincidence that all, all these people died at the age of 27. There's got to be some sort of link to this. Yeah, you're right. It, it almost feels like there's too many for it to be a coincidence, doesn't like, it? The average age, like, you live in, like, 90, say. Yeah. And there's one age of 27. It's <laughs> yeah. very specific. Yeah. And you think, the, these are all sort of musicians. Brian Jones, guitarist of the Rolling Stones. Uh, at the time, one of the biggest bands in Britain, behind the Beatles. But far then, on the least. You know what I mean? Yeah. He died too young, obviously, 27. Jimi Hendrix, the B 
biggest and best guitarist ever, probably millions of people's guitar inspiration. Kurt Cobain uh, started the grunge era, uh, you know, was a huge icon in a sort of like anti-pop movement. And again, 27. And I don't know, it just seems a little bit like when these musicians were supposed to be in their prime, both sort of like physically and mentally and kind of like emotionally as well to be able to put that into song. Do you see what I mean? That They were in their prime, arguably their prime years, and, and sadly we lost them too early. Because imagine a world where those musicians didn't die so early. We could have been done out of countless, countless songs that everyone would have loved. It's just a, a bit mad to get my head around, seeing as they were 33 ourselves. Yeah. And we've lived five extra years on what they've done and <laughs> what we've achieved compared yeah. to them. And they were yeah. at the top of their game. Very true. Uh, the last one I want to talk about, Harvey, is someone you've already mentioned, Amy Winehouse. Amy's state of mind when she took her last gulps of vodka at home in July uh, 2011 in London is impossible to know. She had said there were things she still wanted to do with her life, but she seemed unable to take action. Despite being a remarkably honest and open person in many respects, she had always been cagey about her inner life. Observing Amy as we have, there is a strong sense that she was sick of her career. Similar to Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain, she had become a prisoner of her image, and as with Janis Joplin, her man was glaringly absent at the end. So were other people Amy had depended on and in many cases exhausted. And sadly, Amy Winehouse, again, died at the age of 27. I mean, where do we go from there, Harvey? I mean, coincidence or foul play or what's happened? It's hard to get your head around. It, it, it could be foul play, it could be a bit of a bit too much for them individually, like going from a nobody to a somebody, kind of taking the pressure maybe. But it always seems that there's always someone there with them as well. Yeah. So maybe it's that like niggly ear type of jealousy. Yeah. Sort of like they, they see the stardom that their friend or loved one has got and it perhaps feels a bit jealous perhaps maybe. I'm sure, it's too, it just seems too much of a coincidence that all these great musicians have died at the same age. You know what I mean? Of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, of the same thing. At, as well, arguably, the height of their careers, really. So, it's a bit of a mad one. Uh, do you have a final sentence on that one, are we? Luckily, we're not in a an, an era now where that's common. True. So, let's, let's hope with power of social media and things, people are can talk to the right people and get the help maybe yeah for sure and I think my final sentence would be it's a shame obviously to have lost all these great musicians but like uh, Neil Diamond once said that Kurt Cobain apparently used in his suicide note it's better to burn out than fade away very true don't forget to check out Wolfstat Media on all major social media platforms and send us your questions and comments. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow for more episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.